Our reading from God's Word today is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. It is on page 1008 in your pew Bibles. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. For I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we do hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Isn't it amazing how time marches on? I walked into Cracker Barrel just a couple of days ago and was surprised to see that Christmas gifts are already out. And I know you can say, well, that's because they're putting gifts out too early. Uh, but I couldn't help but notice this one that was showed to me. Dear Santa, this year, please bring me a big fat bank account, a slim body. Please don't mix the two up like you did last year. Thanks. Now we can say, hey, they, they shouldn't be putting Christmas gifts out in October, and I could argue with you in agreement on that. Uh, but the fact is, time is marching on, and here we are. We are the sermon day. Just seems like yesterday we were having this a year ago, but we're thankful to be able to have it again today, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But also, just around the corner, believe it or not, is Veterans Day, and uh, we want to give honor to whom honor is due. And so if you're a veteran, be sure and plan on attending our breakfast uh, in honor of you. And there are signups at the information center and also be inviting others in the community that are veterans uh, to be a part of this day also. It will be on the 11th of November from eight to 9.30. We are the sermon day. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to go out and serve the community. Uh, a part of all of this came about several years ago when a few of us went to hear a guest speaker and there were two different quotes that that guest speaker said uh, that really impacted the way I looked at some aspects of ministry in a way that I had not looked at it before. One of the quotes that he said was, too often when we say service, what we really mean is serve us. That caused me to come back home and I, I pulled out our list of deacons and I pulled out uh, the, to see the ministries that, that they lead over. And I looked through every one and I was shocked. I, I got up out of my chair and I walked to another one of the ministers and I said, I would have never dreamt that almost everything we do is just for us. I'm, I'm really shocked that we don't do more for people in our neighborhoods. And so out of that, from about 2008 or nine. Uh, we have really tried to, to put a balance 
what, what's God's will for us? That's all we want to do. And like right now, we, we now have uh, two deacons, Joe Cowan, Martin Porter, where their whole ministries that they lead is about reaching out, helping us do a better job individually and collectively, focusing on those around us. A second quote that, that this gentleman said that I don't think I'll ever forget, and, and I made it personal for us as a congregation here for you today. It says, if the Mount Juliet Church of Christ ceased to exist, would anyone in the community notice or care? Now you would say, well, if we ceased to exist, we would care deeply. Uh, many of us here are not only like family, we are family. We're God's family. And, and we, we would be crushed. It would, it would be a, a loss like a death to us. But pause for a moment and think, how many that live in this community that are not a part of the congregation here, how many would notice and how many of them that notice would say, what are we going to do? They, they were so beneficial to us. They loved us so much. That's going to be a, a great strength that was in our community is now gone. That caused me to think about it in this particular way. The Mount Juliet Church of Christ ought to be the best neighbors in the neighborhood. It's Jesus who teaches us how to be true and genuine neighbors. Love your neighbors as yourself. And with that in mind, the church especially each congregation. Now, this is true individually of us on the streets that we live on, but us collectively, we ought to be the best neighbor in this whole community. There ought not to be a business that's a better neighbor than the Lord's church. There ought to not be a, a, a civic group or a club that is a better neighbor than the Lord's church. There ought to not be a denomination that is a better neighbor than the Lord's church. And so when, when we think about the great opportunity we have, that we have received so much of God, now the question is, are we conduit? Do we let that flow through us and out into the places that we work, to the places where our kids go to school, to the communities, the streets that we live in, and whatever organizations and clubs that we might be a part of? And so this month, we have been looking at the topic of serve responsibly. What is God's great expectation for us? Today, I'd like for us to think especially about the mind. The United Negro College Fund came out with one of the most popular and oft used taglines that now is in about its 44th year of being used. And it is, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Now, in 2013, they decided for the first time to put a tagline on the tagline. It's the first time it was ever altered. And it said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. And today, we don't hear that exact quote as often, but you'll see advertisements encouraging people to invest in individuals 
And a lot of time, those particular advertisements will go off and, and, and like one off the air and, and one that is out right now, the, the girl's name is Sydney and it, it shows her trying to go to college and people investing in her and, and it goes off and says, I'm Sydney and I am your dividend. It's the idea that the mind is a wonderful thing to invest in. You know, when taglines hang around for 45 years, it's usually because there's truth in them. If there's ever been truth in any tagline that, that's been used in a secular sense, I would say that that tagline is 100% true. The idea that what happens if we waste our mind and the idea of how blessed are we when we invest in our mind. As a man thinks in his heart, and the spiritual heart is the mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 and 7. In other words, you change a person's thoughts, you change them. You allow good and profitable and great things to change a person's thought. You change them into a better person. Please let that sink in. This isn't some kind of pop psychology. This is what God's word teaches us. Change, real, lasting, ultimate change begins in the mind. Romans the 12th chapter I'd like for you to look there, Romans the 12th chapter, and notice verse two again. It's already been capably read, but look at verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, and conforms idea of shaped by or styled by. Do not be shaped by the world, but be transformed, and that's the same word that's transfiguration. It's the idea from metamorphosis, the, the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. That's a major change. So when he says to be transformed, he's not talking about, let's do some minor tweaks here. He's talking, let's do some major changes in our life. It's a big thing to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And he's saying, what if you allowed the world to shape your thinking? That's the type of life you're going to have. What if you went through a major transformation? And what was the rest of this? But be transformed how? by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you know the word renew means to renovate? You take what's already in existence and you say, you know what? We can make this much, much better. Now, when we say renovate, because many of us have done it in our own homes or you've watched it on television, which usually leads to doing it in your own home. But, but you, you probably think of, of not renovating a mind. You think about renovating a kitchen, renovating a bathroom, renovating some room in your house. I thought it was interesting because I didn't even put these two together when I was first working on this this week. But when... Uh, earlier this week, I started reading and rereading Romans 12. I knew that was going to be the text today, but I did not know exactly uh, what the lesson would be. And so I just wanted to keep reading the whole chapter and, and studying it deeply. Because you remember, over the past few weeks, we have looked at passages about service. And, and there are a triplicate of passages where even though at first glance they might look really different, once you go into them just a little bit at all, 
it becomes very clear that the same points are being made over and over, just slightly different approaches. And so a few weeks ago, we studied 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, 7 through 11, and he brought out the fact that there is that idea of one body, but it's many members, and we're given different gifts and abilities, but it's in that setting that he talks about love, and he talks about hospitality, and he talks about now God's given you a particular gift, he's given you a particular gift. Now, let's all be good stewards with the manifold, the many different graces, the gifts that God gives us. And then we study 1 Corinthians the 12th and the 13th chapter, the body is one, made up of many members. And we ought to value each other because we have the different gifts, but we're to work together. And you come right over into the 13th chapter, and what's it about? It's about love. And now today we read in Romans the 12th chapter. And already what's been read this morning takes us down to verse 8. 4 through 8 is where he lays out that same kind of language. It's one body, many members. We have different functions. And then in ninth verse, what does he bring up? Is it any surprise? He brings up love. Love without hypocrisy. And then you go to verse 13. Is it any surprise that he talks about generosity to each other and then turns around and talks about hospitality? You see, there's this common theme of God gives us abilities to use to help the church and to help those outside the church. Hospitality is the idea of helping strangers. And so over and over in all three of these passages, there's a great emphasis placed upon the fact of let's use the gift that we have been given. Now, as I'm studying this, I literally receive an email from Tracy and back two slides, that picture that had the before and, and after, that was a picture she sent and said, hey Dave, that's how I want us to redo our bathroom. <laughs> and, and so, uh, now that's not our bathroom. And I don't really think ours will ever look like that over on the right, even though we did start working on it this weekend. But, but uh, it, it's interesting that here in Romans the 12th chapter, the idea is renovation. Now, this chapter has a lot in it. If you know Romans 12, you know that. We could literally, without dragging down, we could probably do a two-month series on Romans 12. And so as I kept rereading it, it became very clear that there are two passages that elaborate upon the mind with great emphasis. And what I mean by emphasis is in these short passages, it's Romans 12, verse two and three, and then it's verse 16. And he doesn't just say one thing about the mind in each one of those. You could arguably say that each one of those has either three or four different things about the mind in each one of them. Now, because of the way the chapter begins, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. What's part of your body? Your mind. And that goes into verse two. All of this presenting your body is gonna to have to be how? By a renovating of the mind. And then I got to thinking, you know, maybe we should take time this morning to say, if the Lord was gonna teach us how to renovate our mind, what would that renovation look like? Now, I know the mind is spoken about in so many passages. And this morning, that's not the purpose of this, is look at all the passages. This morning is just look at the ones in Romans 12. What would the Lord say if we could say, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing my body to you and I'm laying it down as a sacrifice. It's no longer my will be done. Lord, I'm bringing you my body and my body is yours. 
So since I'm giving you my body, you can come into my mind and you can renovate it. You can make it look totally different and I know you can make it so much better. And so Lord, I'm not gonna fight you anymore. I'm gonna surrender my mind to you. And what would he say that he would change if you and I would bring our mind to him? Well, let's read now verse three and let's see uh, the, the rest. Uh, we said Romans 12, two and three. So we've looked at verse two. Now let's look at three and see these things that would change. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone who is among you not to think of himself, now notice that word think, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Isn't it interesting that the first place he starts is really so fundamental? Would any of us be surprised that he would start right here? Well, maybe we're thinking about some deep spiritual message that we're like, when we hear that, we're gonna be like, wow, I've never thought of that or I've never heard that before. And so we say, Lord, I'm ready for you to renovate my mind. Where do you wanna start? And he would say, let's start with what you think about yourself. If you're letting the world shape your thinking, you're thinking too highly of yourself. But if you'll be transformed and you'll let the Lord shape your thinking, You'll bring yourself off of a pedestal and any time, it's like a seesaw, any time we bring ourselves off of a pedestal, we then exalt the Lord and we exalt others. You can't exalt yourself and the Lord. Please accept that. You can't do both. You can't exalt yourself and exalt others. You can't do that. We can exalt the Lord and the Lord will teach us how to have a proper estimation of others and a proper estimation of ourselves. Now notice, to pull ourselves off the pedestal doesn't mean that then we criticize ourselves, that we demean ourselves, that we say, oh, I can't do anything. That's not humility. Humility is honest. Do you have gifts and abilities? Are there things that you can do well? Of course there are. How do we know that? Because God gave you those abilities. And so humility is to be willing to use all that God has given you and you give him the glory. That's humility. And so it is powerful to think about all that he offers us in this. Now, when we think about Romans 12, we present our bodies, verse one, a living sacrifice. Verse two, that's renewing of the mind. Verse three, what do you want us to do as we renew our mind, Lord? He says, I want you to bring yourself off of the pedestal. <laughs> I don't know what that family would do without me. I tell you, <laughs> I'm just it. I don't know what they'd do at work without me. I, I tell you, that place would fall apart. I, I don't know what that team would do without me. They're just lucky they have me. How do you view yourself? Do you see the gifts and the abilities God has given you and you graciously serve? I'm so thankful that I can be in the family I'm in and use the abilities God has given me in that family. I'm thankful that God has given me abilities and a place to work and that I can use those and I pray that I always use them the way God wants them to be used. You see, there is a major difference when someone exalts themselves 
or when someone appreciates the abilities and the gifts that God has given them. Ministries in the Lord's church. Going out on we or the sermon day or any of the other 364 days of the week, of the year. Why do we do what we do? It's not to exalt ourselves. It's to exalt the Lord of whom we serve. But I'd like you to notice the second part there in Romans 12 and 3. It's not only uh, that we don't think of ourselves too highly, but he also adds that towards the end to say, but to think soberly. Did you know that the word soberly means sound of the right mind? Let that one sink in. If you're not of the right mind, what are you? You're insane. That's literally a part of the definition of soberly is sane. That's part of the definition. And so if you're not sober in your thinking, you're somewhat insane in your thinking. In other words, you are irrational in your thinking. Anytime we let the world shape our thinking, we lift ourselves way too high. And when we lift ourselves way too high, what does that do to our thoughts? Our thoughts become insane. Our thoughts become irrational. And it's in this irrational thinking that we harm relationships. We've already pointed out the fact that if, if you lift yourself up, you have to debase God. You, you, can't, you can't lift yourself up in God both. It is of ultimate importance to humble yourself in the sight of God and He will lift you up. James 4 and 10. Insane thinking harms your relationship with God. It also harms your relationship with spouse, with children, with others. It's impossible to have a good, healthy relationship and you constantly be moved by irrational thinking. Listen, contrary to what the world would say, if we allow the world, back to verse two, do not be conformed by the world. If you allow the world to shape your thinking, you're gonna have a hard time believing what I'm about to say. Contrary to that, healthy life is made up of humility. The world will never show you that. The world doesn't believe that. But when our thoughts are sober, they're founded on a beautiful level of humility. Not necessarily because all of the thinking is on humility. What's the thinking on? The thinking is upon the Lord. And the Lord, when he is exalted, brings humility into our life so that we are at a healthy point of self-estimation. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And yet when we miss that and we become insane in our thinking, we harm our relationship with God, we harm our relationship with other people. But you know what else we do? We have a very warped view of service. There's probably, my guess, just cause the size of, of the crowd, there's probably some today that have already thought earlier in the week or even this morning, negative thoughts about we are the sermon day. 
Why? Is it because your mind has been renovated by the Lord? And in your humility and in your holiness, God has given you those negative thoughts? Or are you having negative thoughts because your mind has been shaped by an arrogance and a conceit? You see, you can never have godly and healthy, consistent thoughts towards service if you're high on yourself and not sober in your thinking. And the reason that's true is because when you're not sober in your thinking, you really believe it's a waste of time. Like you really believe it. Like, like you're not just acting like it's a waste of time. You really believe it's a waste of time. Why? Because you think more of yourself than you do the people you're serving. Let them serve themselves. They have the same hours in the week that I have. Well, I saw them out there doing nothing last weekend. Why should I do something? I am a better steward of my time. I am a better steward of my money. Let's just put it truthfully. I'm better than they are. And because I'm better than them, I am not going to serve them. Now, that may not be your exact thought process, but people that have a hard time with serving, that's the ultimate process. They can always figure out why they are better and the other is not worthy of their time. Even our enemies, according to our Lord, if he's sh shaping our thinking, we are to do what to them? Matthew, the fifth chapter, do good. That's the idea of going out and finding something good to do even for an enemy. But you see, we could never think that way unless the Lord has renovated our thinking, unless we bring our mind. Like we're studying things this morning, none of us were born this way. None of us would have ever naturally thought this way. This is when we bring our body a living sacrifice and say, Lord, here's my mind. I want you to renovate it however you want it to look. Now let's look at the 12th chapter in verse 16 in the last few minutes that we have. Look at verse 16. Be of the same mind. How could hundreds of people, how could thousands of people be of the same mind toward one another? Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So if we're gonna have the same mind, how could we have the same mind? Because if we allow the world to shape, shape our thinking, the only way we have a sameness is through clicks. Hey, you know what? We're kind of the same socioeconomic level and I just feel connected to you. Hey, we have the same hobbies and so I feel connected to you. Hey, we have kids kind of the same age. I feel connected to you. Hey, we're in the same kind of profession. I feel connected to you. Hey, we have the same gifts and abilities. I really admire you. I feel connected to you. See, there are many ways on this earth that we can form our cliques. And that's the people that we feel really close to. But then if we bring our mind and say, Lord, I'm going to let you renovate my mind. How should I look at other people? And the Lord would say, you see your brothers and sisters with the same mind. And it's the mind of what? It's the mind of Christ. You see the church the way Christ sees the church and he values every member of his body. And you see the world the way Christ sees the world and he loves their soul and he wants them to be saved. 
It's amazing when you think what would happen if we started thinking about others instead of through our natural clicks, we started thinking about others the way the Lord would teach us to think, where we'd see the value of every soul and we truly would not be grouped together based upon, oh, we're kind of the same age. We have the same preferences in life and etc. As a matter of fact, if we think about what would it be like to have the same mind? I just pulled out about five or 10 things. On this next slide, we have Romans, the 12th chapter, and, and it's not an outline of it, but it's just a few things. I want to mention this to you. This is, this is Christ's covenant. Philippians 2 and 5 tells us, well, have the one mind of Christ. And so what if everybody that's a part of the Mount Juliet congregation, what about if every one of us said, you know what, I'm going to let the Lord shape my thinking. How would it be shaped just from Romans 12? Well, here are a few examples. Number one, everybody here would say their life's no longer about themselves. They've offered their body a sacrifice to God. Verse one. Number two, these are not numbers, these are verses. Verse two, they, all of us would renew our mind. Lord, I bring you my mind, you renovate it, and if the Lord renovates your mind, he renovates your mind, he renovates my mind, we're all going to be on the same page because it's the same creator creating our mind. Number three, we're going to think soberly. So this insanity where we work against each other, be envious of each other, be jealous of each other, where we would look over at somebody and think, you're not as good as me, that kind of insanity would go away completely. Four, and in verse four, we read about the idea that there are many members in one body. If we all understand that, it changes the way we approach church. Number five, we realize we all have different gifts and we're thankful for that. A lot of time cliques, they become cliquish over us having the same gifts. Oh, well, we love the same mission work, so we're kind of a clique and we don't think as highly of the people that's part of this mission work. We kind of look down on them. That's not godly thinking. Oh, well, we love teaching in the elementary but, but ages, but here's some people that they're, they're into world Bible school. We don't really think highly of them. I would hope that everybody would hear that and say, that's silly thinking. But isn't it amazing sometimes that ministries become jealous of each other? And so this is what he's talking about here. We have different gifts, but we're all valuable. Number nine, we ought to love without hypocrisy. Look. Don't love somebody to their face and then turn around and gossip about them behind their back. Don't love with hypocrisy. Love with sincerity. Verse 10, preference to one another. I love that phrase in verse 10. And then in verse 11, he tells us in diligence, not lagging. What if everybody had that mindset? We're going to serve. And we're going to give God our very best. We are not going to lag in our service to God. And then the end of that verse talks about service to Jesus. Ultimately, that's what our service is all about, is serving Jesus. And then in verse 13, he talks about his generosity and hospitality. All right, let's go back now to Romans, the 12th chapter. Let me show you two more things in this same verse we just read. One is he says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And when he's talking about the humble, obviously he's talking about people. You see, here's our challenge. Anytime we let the world do our, our, our thinking, shaping our minds for us and our thoughts for us, we will eventually begin to put more and more emphasis on things. And I know that probably most of us in this room right now are saying, oh, but I'm not materialistic. I'm just asking you, will you humbly evaluate your life? How much emphasis do you put on things? The more emphasis we put on things, it's like the seesaw. You don't have a choice on this. If you put too much emphasis on things, you will put a lesser emphasis on people. 
You don't get a choice about that. In other words, what I'm saying is you don't get to choose. Well, I want to put an emphasis on things, but I want to put an emphasis on people too. You can't do it. The mom or dad that puts all of their emphasis on things becomes negligent to their children. You just don't have a choice about that. You put your emphasis on things, you'll neglect your neighbors. You'll put your emphasis on things, you'll neglect ministries that serve people. High things. Isn't it interesting? He's already talked about thinking too highly of yourself. And now he says, don't think too highly of things. What about the humble people? Well, Matthew 25, Jesus threw out a few examples of what he called some of the least of these, my brethren. And what he meant by this, by that term, was these are some of the people that they don't have things. So a lot of people don't think they're worth their time. You know, and he goes through that list, Matthew 25 on the day of judgment, and some were hungry. And some people gave them something to eat and some people didn't. Some were thirsty and some people gave them water and some didn't. And there were strangers that just needed somebody to invest in them, take them in. Some did, some didn't. Some needed clothing. Some received it, some didn't. Some were sick and, and they didn't have things to offer. As a matter of fact, they just needed somebody to come and care for them. Can you come and sit with me? Can you wash my feet while I'm sick? Can you wait on me while I'm sick? Who's going to come? And then even those in jail. What, what do they have to offer of things? Listen, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this simply as Romans is teaching it here. But a lot of the reason that group of people that Jesus just mentioned in Matthew 25 do not get our attention is because they don't have things. That ought to get our attention. You give the sick person millions of dollars to give away and how many is going to visit them this week? You give the guy in prison millions of dollars to give away and how many is going to visit them this week in prison? Oh, maybe they'll take me on a cruise when they get out. I hear that they're wealthy and they just share it. Oh, I like to go out with my friends. Sometimes they buy at the restaurant. What about if your friend doesn't have even money for their own next meal? Here in Romans 12, he says, don't value things. Instead, associate, rub shoulders, form friendships with people that do not have things. How long is your list of friends, friends that do not have things? I didn't write it. I struggle to read it just like you struggle to read it. But that's what's going to change if we bring our mind to the Lord and say, you renovate my mind. I won't make it anything like you make it. I'll let you shape it. What is it going to look like? And then finally, that last phrase, do not be wise. And that, that word there for wise has to do with, with your thinking. When you uh, make decisions, is, is it going to be good thoughts? And that word wise, the, in the Greek now, in the Greek, it can have a negative connotation. And the negative connotation is the way this ends, where he says, do not be wise in your own opinions. Uh, some would say in your own conceitedness. In other words, what if we allow the Lord to shape our thinking? We're going to make wise decisions. What if we shape our own thinking? It's going to be a conceited, opinionated thinking. 
Do you know what's best? Every time? You ever been around those people? They always know. Every time, they always know. I hope that all of us realize that none of us know unless we learn of God. We can be opinionated in our own thinking or we can say, you know, I just want to learn what God's will is because I've learned when I do things my way, it needs to be renovated. But when I do things the Lord's way, how powerful is that renovation? You know, I received, as I was finishing up this sermon last night, late here at the building, I received an email from Tracy, and this is what it had on it. It said, this is the vanity I want. <laughs> the only reason I show you that is to close this sermon by letting you in on a little secret. Our present vanity doesn't look anything like that. In other words, if we have a vanity like that one day, it's going to be because there is a major renovation. If your idea of religion is, I'll let God just tweak a little bit of my mind and I'll have a foot in the world and a foot back uh, in the church and, and this would be really cool. There's a lot of people that live that way and the Lord calls it lukewarmness. It's where you give the Lord a little bit of your mind. I'll let you change a few things, but I'm not going to surrender my will. This morning, I just want to ask you, are you willing to surrender all? Are you really willing to give the Lord your mind and say, total renovation, I'll be whoever you create me to be? What I learned today, number one, one of the most important renovations ought to be in the mind. Number two, before looks like me, after looks like Christ. Number three, it's easy to think too highly of self or of others like you or things or of your opinions. Number four, allow Jesus to control your mind. Think highly of rational thoughts, all others, humble people, others' opinions, and especially Christ. We are the sermon day is a simple way to preach this message by our actions. Do you have renovated thinking? Can we help you in any way this morning? If you're not a Christian, why not surrender first your mind to the Lord and he'll take the rest of you and do exactly what he wills with it. If you've never been baptized into Christ, why not today? Maybe you've become a Christian along the way. You kind of took part of your mind back and you're ready to bring it back to him today and say, Lord, your will be done. Uh, we've studied this morning a passage that's tough because we like to stay in control of our mind and it's hard to surrender. But how blessed would we all be if we truly do that? And how blessed would we be as a group if we truly do that? And how blessed would our community be if we truly do that? Let's pray that that would be God's will that would be accomplished in all of our lives. If we can help you in any